You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. Week 18, we've made it. The last regular season weekend. Everybody's playing either Saturday now and Sunday. Should be a wild day. So we'll talk a lot about the playoff picture, who's in, who's out, who still has a chance. Not many teams, but there's still some intrigue at the bottom uh, of each conference. Uh, We have a guest We'll also talk about the three B's, and we'll hit you with those B's as we go. A little tease on that one. But uh, Alex is here. Alex, what do you know? I don't know. The AFC playoff picture, Lou, I mean, the Titans are probably like the weakest number one seed ever that I could remember in the last few years. I mean, the Titans are number one seed right now, sitting there at 11 and 5. I hope the Chiefs are going to pass them. They're at number two at 11 and 5. Then we've got the Bengals, 10 and 6. Buffalo, 10 and 6. They're fourth. New England has clinched. They're 10 and 6. They're sitting at number five, and they're going to have a rematch most likely with the Bills once again for the third time this year. And then we've got three teams, Lou. We've got the Colts. At six, the Chargers at seven, and Vegas on the cusp, also nine and seven, like the Colts and the Chargers, uh, sitting at number eight. What do you think? I mean, the Titans are like the weakest number one seed that we've ever seen. You know, it's it's been many years, and there's a stat out there. I, it's been a long time since a number one seed has had five losses. Now, obviously, both teams, all these teams have a game to play. Titans have Houston, and it might be at Houston, yes, so... I mean, unless they go in there and lay an egg, but with everything to play for to really clinch that number one seed, you got to believe so. Uh, the Chiefs are at Denver. You got to believe they're smarting after that loss and don't want to drop any further than two. So Tennessee's going to be there. But as far as weakest, I don't know. Supposedly, Derrick Henry's practicing or at least pointing in that direction so with the extra week off he might be ready to go by the time they play a game so they've hung around everything's been so wide open you look at all these teams that you mentioned can we really say uh any of them are an overwhelming favorite like if the chiefs were the number one seed right now would people might feel a little bit more comfortable just because they've been there the last few years but are they really that much better than everybody else are the bengals ready for prime time sitting there at the three seed the baby bengals if you would i think you named them that alex so you take credit no mixing this weekend covid but uh, And there's so many other guys. You just don't know who's playing. I mean, Philadelphia's got a bunch of guys on the COVID list, but that's the NFC. And then the Bills seem to be finding themselves. Singletary's getting the ball a little bit more. They've kind of woken up and said, hey, we do have to run the ball a little bit. So they're going to be dangerous. The Patriots, they have to play a certain way, right? I mean, it's got to be a close game. Get Mac to the fourth quarter. Can't get too far behind. And, you know, they can slug it out with anybody. But, again, it has to be a certain way. Chargers and Raiders win and you're in. And I think in some weird scenario, if they tie, they both get in. 
<laughs> so, yeah, there'll be conspiracy theorists uh, looking into that one. Lou, who do you have? I mean, the, the I Colts, still, you know, I'm a the Chargers. Colts, the Chargers are Vegas. I'm still a Chargers honk. Obviously, I picked them again last week. I've picked them since the beginning of the year. I think they're a really, really good team. They're good enough to beat any of these teams on a given day. Uh, I don't know that the Raiders really are. So the Chargers, for sure. Are the Colts going to lose to the Jags? Well, here's the thing, and this was a weird stat. They're 0 for 6 in Jacksonville, their last six trips down there. I was like, shy, like, no, no way. This can't be real. They are. They've lost their last six games in Jacksonville. Now, obviously, this is a completely different Jacksonville team. Not that they were great or anything last year, but I think that was early in the season. Might even been the first game. I, I can't recall. Phil, I think it was Phillip Rivers' first game, so it was last year. I think it may have been the opener, so they weren't really quite ready. And the Jags, we didn't know they were going to be historically bad. But now, I mean, those wheels have completely fallen off. It would be hard to see the Jags winning that game. But then again, they beat Buffalo down there 9-6. to So, yeah, stranger things have happened. And obviously, they have six times in a row. I can't imagine, like, the Raiders being in though i mean i do think the colts are going to beat the jags and the chargers are going to get in there as well i just i think those are the final two spots i mean that's how it should be it's been a nice story but i think the raiders you know after having some momentum they lost a few games and now they're trying to get back into it i don't think they're going to have enough and by the way josh allen is so up and down for buffalo i started him in my fantasy he threw three picks for me and I lost that final fantasy game oh, you know, for that first man. place. Yeah, I'll never forgive Josh Allen for that, <laughs> honestly. Benched him the previous week. He scored 30 points. And then I put him in, and, you know, he still got me enough. But, you know, he threw for like 120 yards and threw three picks. He scored two touchdowns on the ground, but I'll never forget Josh Allen. I, I might take it out on him next year and just not draft him. I have that long-lasting memory out there, and it just something stayed with me, and I might yeah. not have him as my quarterback in my fantasy. Hello? You've got that grudge. Okay, all right. Yeah. NFC is pretty solid, pretty tight right now. Really, the intrigue, again, is at the bottom where your Niners are actually the sixth seed as we stand right now, have not clinched the spot. Eagles are the seventh seed, but they have clinched their spot. So here's the thing. The Rams, they can win the division if they beat San Francisco. They Obviously, they play. And if San Francisco loses and the Saints somehow summon up everything they have and beat the Falcons, then the Saints would go in and the Niners would be out. I believe then the Eagles would move up to the sixth seed. Yeah, so this is basically for the 49ers. This is a playoff game. They have to win. Let's go Trey Lance, Lou. I mean, this is it. This entire week already, and it's been a few days, I've been listening to people that have been hyping up Trey Lance and how optimistic they are about his performance against the Houston Texans. God damn it. This is how low I've gotten at this point. But, uh, you know, just trying to get optimistic for the game, you know, hoping that, you know, Trey Lance is kind of going to rise to the occasion. We saw some good. We saw some bad. But he got it rolling in the second half. I hope. That Kyle Shanahan's dominance over Sean McVay is going to rise to the occasion. That he's going to lean on the run. He's going to lean on Debo Samuel. He's going to use those end arounds. We're going to punch him in the mouth, win at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. I hope we come away with the win. And I just hope Trey Lance 
doesn't throw any picks or any fumbles. Just take care of the football, and I think we're going to be fine. We're going to win this game against the Los Angeles Rams. You know, he did, hasn't played in how many weeks, so obviously there was some rust, you know, that first half. But the second half, he seemed to kind of settle in and made some plays, both of his legs and throwing the ball. have to give credit to ESPN, their NFL playoff machine. So if the Niners lose and the Saints lose, the Niners still get in as the seventh seed. And then Philadelphia would move up to six. You don't want to leave it in somebody else's hands, but it's not like New Orleans is any lock to go into Atlanta and win that game. They struggled mightily with Carolina, who again, that's another situation that has just kind of really come off the rails. And now you're wondering, you know, is that coach going to survive this with the kind of impatient owner? Uh, They don't have a quarterback. Uh, They extended Sam Darnold. So Atlanta's been playing at least decent competitive. I don't think... Arthur Smith has lost them. I think they're engaged and they're you know, they're playing hard. So still a chance in case uh, the Rams beat them. Well, let's just say this. Nobody wants to play the 49ers in the playoffs. Not the Los Angeles Rams, not no. the Tampa Bay Bucks. They would much rather have the Saints in there and the Eagles because they know they'll have a, a better shot to advance. The 49ers are probably the most dangerous team out of all the bottom teams that are left out there. I also think the Arizona Cardinals are a wild card here because they took care of business against the Dallas Cowboys who were also sleepwalking in the first half. I mean, Dak and that offense, they didn't wake up until the fourth quarter. I wouldn't want to play Arizona, especially when they're on the road because they're a hungry bunch. They're like a different team when they're at home. It seems like they don't play when they're at home because they're probably like outnumbered. I mean, more fans traveled to Arizona than they actually have fans in Arizona rooting for them. But it's a destination and yeah, and you've got a you know, huge, you know, huge infl- you know, retirement communities and just, you know, transplants. Yeah, a lot of cities are like that, but I, I hear what you're saying. It's tough. It's tough when you're at home and you know you got a big section full of uh, Cowboys fans or Rams fans or whatever. So it's not a section. I'm sure it's like ninety percent Cowboys <laughs> fans and ten percent Arizona Cardinals fans because they just haven't had much to cheer about in the last thirty years, except for that Super Bowl that they went to. But I wouldn't want to play Arizona. I wouldn't want to play San Francisco. But it's going to be a tight race. I. I hope my 49ers get in, though. One more nugget for you here, and they can actually lose and be the number six seed. So if they lose and Philadelphia loses to Dallas and Atlanta beats New Orleans, San Francisco could lose and be the sixth seed, kind of hold their spot. Just wanted to give you a little bit, you know, just a little bit more hope just in case things don't work out so well against the Rams. Does that make you feel better? It doesn't. We just have to go in there and just win the game. That's it. I mean, we can't rely on what other people are doing. Just win, baby. That's right. Let's go. Hand the ball off. He owns McVay. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, We do have a guest coming up. He's a running back for the UTEP Miners in Prinendale, Texas. Number two, Quadreas Wadley. Quadreas, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Just excited to get my journey started. How about you guys? Doing well here. Wanted to make your mom happy and say your name properly. So I hope I did all right. Yeah, you did just fine. Where did you get the nickname Q? Uh, well, growing up, 
people would just have trouble saying my name, like from teachers, friends, and even my family. So my dad was like, okay, we're going to put a stop to this early. And then he just gave me the nickname Q. He was like, uh, everybody just call him Q. Because he was feeling bad because everyone was messing up my name. But I thought that was funny. Q. I guess we'll go with that then. It makes it a lot easier. Where will you be training? Uh, where are you training right now for the NFL draft? I haven't started training yet, like officially, but I've been training locally, but I will be training at an APEC facility in Tyler, Texas, so I can get uh, hands-on, uh, you know, good training with my position work. Have you been introduced to that facility already? I mean, have you gone there? Have you seen the people? Have you mingled a little bit, found out who's going to be coaching you? That conversation is coming, but I'm actually from Tyler, Texas, so I have been to the facility a couple of times. On breaks when I would go visit my mom, I would use that facility. Was that important for you to stay locally and uh, and train somewhere in Texas? Or were you open to possibly going to California or Florida? I was open to going to other places, but I feel that the connection back home is something, you know, that I would want along this journey. Be able to have my family by my side and mostly my mom, who was my best friend, have her by my side through this whole process. So it all worked out pretty perfectly if you ask me who got you into football in the first place who signed you up for this game well my mom did uh, because at the time uh, when I was younger I had a stepdad and he was a football coach so at four years old I had my first football coach in my living room he would draw plays he would throw me the ball I catch it jump off the couch he just tried to teach me the game early uh, so I would say the first person to really introduce me to football would be my stepdad, uh, Christopher Beasley. Q, was that beneficial to have your stepdad, you know, teaching you the game of football when you were a youngster? Oh, yes, it was very beneficial. I feel like it made me the person and the player I am today. He instilled the love for the game first, and he was also he was the hardest person on me. You know, was a coach at the time, so he just had a lot of expectations for me early. And just continue throughout the rest of my life. So I'm really grateful for that experience. So obviously we found out you're going to be training locally. You're going to be in Texas. But you've been invited to an all-star game. And it's going to be held in Orlando, Florida. It's called the Tropical Bowl All-Star Game. What are your expectations for that all-star game weekend? First and foremost, I'm really excited for this opportunity. My expectations is really just to go into the all-star game. Uh, looking to show everyone that, and I am still the same guy that, you know, they fell in love with in 2018. I know it's been a little ups and downs, but I'm back already. Um, more excited than ever. Uh, you know, I just have something to prove. Um, I plan to show the scouts how versatile the back I am, how I see the whole field from the running back's perspective. Just really excited for this. There's like a great underdog story. Uh, with Kurt Warner, so I was watching that movie and I was thinking, like, you know, why can't that be me? You know, prove everyone wrong. Uh, I definitely have to play with a chip on my shoulder at this All-Star game just so I can show people, like, don't give up on me. Something bigger is brewing for me. And I truly believe that. So, Q, let's give some context to this. I mean, you've been at UTEP for six years, right? Yes, sir. Okay, you come out of high school, you're the 4A Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, big expectations and, you know, just you had a great career in high school. And to say that you've had some ups and downs like you just did at UTEP is an understatement. I mean, between, you know, injuries, 
uh, the toe, the MCL, everything else. I mean, you said 2018. That was really the only full year that you were able to play, right? Yes, sir. There's been a lot. And, and as late as this last year where you had the MCL and it looked like you weren't going to join the team till near the end of the season and you actually were able to play in six full games. So I ask you, where does this drive come from? I'm just going to be honest. Uh, my drive comes from my mom. I've seen her go through a lot. I've seen her cry a lot. Just hard times. And um, I watched her get knocked down thousands of times, and she got back up every time with a smile on her face. So I'm going to always get back up just like my mom. Uh, she instilled that in us when we were young. And I'll always forever be grateful for that. I had read that you know quote somewhere where it said that you keep getting up no matter how many times you get knocked down. And it sounds like you've really taken that to heart. And it was also a rough go because, you know, the team wasn't doing very well. Two and 34 through the space of over the years and then three different coaches. You've dealt with a lot. But I guess from a physical standpoint, where are you right now? Where would you put yourself percentage wise? I'm 100%, no doubt. Have you noticed any limitations since the injuries? No, there, there are no limitations. I mean, everything is pretty good. I mean, I did all the rehab, all the extra conditioning training that I needed. Whenever I was uh, back at UTEP, I did, you know, separate exercises for the body parts that I had hurt in the past just to make sure I can keep it strong and healthy. I was doing everything in my power to make sure you know, I can perform at my highest. You were able to come back at mid-season. How special was that return? I mean, you come back against Rice. Take us through the, just being on the field and everything that went on that day. Uh, I mean, it was amazing, but I have to give all thanks to God because one of my earlier doctor appointments uh, with the whole MCO sprain, uh, the doctor told me that I may be lucky to get two games out of the whole year. And I was like, Nah, I think God had something bigger for me. It was an amazing feeling whenever I got to walk on the field for Rice. I was happy to be back with my teammates. Uh, they were happy to see me back. I just had a really good supporting cast around me uh, for my return. Uh, everyone was excited. My family was excited. And with liquor, what God can do, I always just have to keep going, keep going strong until the end. And, and that's what I did, and it worked out for me. And you scored a TD that day. What was that feeling like? It was, uh, it was emotional. It brought me to tears. I thought uh, people counted me out. Being able to get in the end zone shows like, okay, like I can still do this. It's just going to be a different journey for me, but I still got this. Your team had an amazing season this year. I mean, obviously you've lost a lot of games through the years, but this year, senior year, you won seven games and went to a bowl game. It is the first winning season that you were a part of at the school. How gratifying was this? last season at UTEP? Oh, it was amazing. Uh, I mean, I have to give all the glory to my teammates and the coaches stuff. Uh, you know, we work really hard. And for me, from a senior's perspective, who've been there throughout the whole time, I was just happy to see that we were able to finally get the culture changed. Uh, that was pretty much just the biggest issue. We just had to instill the want and the will to win in guys. And I feel like that's what, you know, we did as soon as Coach Dilma got there. Training was hard. Um, you know, I feel like they're trying to make people quit, but all the guys stuck in there together. We rallied around each other, and we got the job done. As you look back on your career with the Miners, what was your most memorable moment? 
my most memorable moment would be whenever I played against Army as a sophomore and I rushed for 156 yards on a pretty good uh, Army defense. That moment was, like, surreal for me because then it, it really made me realize the type of player that I could be. Like, you know, I could really do this if I put in the right effort, have the right mentorship around me. Uh, so, yeah, that moment will forever be in my head. Q, what would you say is your best characteristic, your best trait that you bring to the football field as a running back? I'm selfless. I understand that, I mean, running backs, we want the ball, but if that's not necessarily, you know, the best thing to do right now, um, I'm willing to do whatever's best for the team, whether that be go motion out, run routes, and, you know, catch balls out the backfield, uh, whether it's pass protection, whether it's anything, like I'm just a selfless person. I'd rather see, you know, the team win before any individual success. Aaron Jones was at UTEP when you first got there. Yes, that Aaron Jones for the Green Bay Packers. What did you learn from Aaron? Oh, yeah, man. Shout out to Aaron. That's my brother. That's my brother right there. We still have a pretty good relationship. But what I learned from him the most is, you know, as a young guy coming out of high school, you run around people. He told me that, you know, if you really want to be successful, then, you know, you have to learn how to run north and south, you know, get downhill. That's how you're going to get most of your yards. He said, be selfish, you know, always be able to be accountable for when things go wrong, be accountable for whenever things are going good. He wanted, he tried to show me the ropes of becoming a leader. I have to thank him for that because that's actually made me the type of, you know, player that my teammates are came to love, my coaches are came to love, and people will soon come to love. You said you were uh, still pretty close with Aaron. What type of advice is he giving you now? as you start your preparation for the draft? Just told me, he said, uh, make sure you run fast. Just make sure you run fast. Make sure I'm able to stay healthy. I mean, he told me to, you know, keep God first before anything, uh, but just to give it all my best shot and see what happens. Now, we all know what a great football player Aaron Jones is. I mean, all pro. I mean, you see him on the field. He's just a spectacular player. But how was he as a roommate? Uh, I mean, he was cool. Like, Aaron is, like, super cool, super laid back. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to play the game with him, he'll play the game with you. Uh, if you wanted to know anything about him, like, he's a, he a very vulnerable guy, too. He just always uh, wants to make people that he care about feel like family. And I feel that's what he did, did for me. Because I was also his roommate, but, you know, he would also go out his way to invite me over for family cookouts. So I'll be around his whole family. You know, it just you know, made me feel at home away from home. Okay. Well, I would imagine you'll continue that relationship at the next level. At some point, you changed your number from number four to number two while you're at UTEP. Give our listeners an idea of what the responsibility is of wearing number two specifically at UTEP, what that means. Okay. So wearing number two at, at UTEP is probably the highest honor that you can get. Uh, so a little backstory about that. Uh, Luke Laufenberg was um, one of my one of my good teammates. We actually hung out quite a bit. We played basketball together here and there. Uh, but he unfortunately passed to cancer. But Luke was the type of player, you know, that he gave 100% effort. He never complained about anything. Always showed up with energy, smile on his face. You know, he was just he was just a real lovable guy and a guy willing to you know go up against all odds whenever things wasn't going good. He'd have a smile on his face things going bad, smile on his face. You know, it's, it's just hard to find that type of 
you know, person sometimes. Pretty much the whole team, everyone votes on it. So if you're elected, you know, that means, you know, guys really see something in you uh, as a person. Uh, it don't necessarily have to be a leader. Guys see those qualities in you. And that's a great thing if you can, you know, live like Luke. That was our little, slant, our little saying, live like Luke, because Luke, Honestly, he probably had his tumor back for two weeks and didn't even know it and still was going through practice and workouts. You know, he would just say, oh, my back is a little sore. And, and no one ever knew. And he didn't even know. So if he's able to do it, ever to do it without complaining, then, I mean, I think other people can do it as well. But it, it is a very high honor to have a youth out. And I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to keep this tradition going and going and going. Well, it seems like you wore it well. Uh, his dad, of course, Babe Laufenberg, uh, broadcaster for the, the Cowboys, played there, played in different spots around the league, backup quarterback. From what I'm reading, I think you've spent some time with Babe uh, fairly recently. W- what was that like? And, and to kind of, I guess, describe the connection between you and Luke with his dad. Uh, it was amazing. I think me and Babe, we wanted to go grab some food down there in Arlington. Well, we just got to chat a little bit about you know Luke and his upbringing. Uh, and I can say this: that uh, Babe is a you know he's a great father. He's on the stuff he told me that told Luke to always give a hundred percent what you do. And I, I mean, I really enjoyed the conversation. It, it gave me a different perspective on life. Well, that's great that you were able to do that. I'm sure he appreciates it as much as you appreciate him. Here's your opportunity, Q, at the end of the day here to go ahead and uh, give out your social media handles if you'd like or plug anything that you're involved in. My Twitter handle is Quadreus23, and my Snapchat handle is Quadreus23 as well. I try to keep it all the same so I don't forget. And my Instagram is I underscore am Quadreus. All right. Very good. Uh, we wish you plenty of luck along the way. Kadrius, you've certainly earned the opportunity at this point for all the work that you've put in and all the, the injuries that you had to deal with. This is a great story. I hope people listen to it and uh, we get some feedback. All the best to you, whatever you do, whether it's football or the next thing. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. OK, thank you, guys. Thanks again to Q Wadley. Great story. You know, this kid has just been the picture of perseverance Six years at UTEP and really one full season, but he kept coming back, kept getting himself in shape. He's ready to go, and we're hoping for the best as he uh, prepares the draft. All right, we got some B's to talk about. We've got the Bengals, we've got AB, we've got Ben, we've got Baker, the baby Bengals. A lot of alliteration here. What did you make of that game and what that said about Joe Burrow and kind of where he is in this like upper echelon of quarterbacks now, even though he's just, what, this is, how many games, he, he played, what, like 12 games last year? Yeah, as a yeah. rookie, I mean, he played a little bit more. Than he gets hurt, and now it's like he's putting up MVP-type numbers. Well, he's throwing a lot of picks, if you look at his overall numbers. Yeah, But yeah. I do think that the future is bright for these baby Bengals, as you said. I called them that. I did call them that. It just reminds me of that the Bengals offense that they had back in the 90s. You remember that? I mean, you remember that, though. Jeff Blake, Carl Pickens, Darnay Scott. I mean, they put up some huge numbers, and they just threw vertically. I just think this Bengals offense is really primed, and they're young. I mean, Mixon is only 25 years old. It seems like he's been in the league for the last 10 years. 
I mean, it just seems that way that he's been there forever. And then Joe Burrow. And then we've got Jamar Chase, who's only 21 years old. And then you've got Tyler Boyd and you've got T. Higgins. Damn, the future is bright, especially offensively. That defense doesn't have to be spectacular, but they have been good overall. I think if they carry this, I mean, the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl in three years. And I was impressed how they handled and played against the Chiefs because they fell behind. And in the second half, they just grinded it out. They threw it to Jamar Chase. They exploited the secondary of the Chiefs out there. Chase just took him to school for those three touchdowns. I mean, that was like Jerry Rice, Lou. I mean, a, a wide receiver just took over a game because 11 receptions, 266 yards, three touchdowns. We've all assumed that Mac Jones is going to walk away with Offensive Rookie of the Year. Wait, hold the presses. Because I would vote for Jamar Chase right now for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I mean, in the beginning of the season, he was great. Then he fell off for like four or five games in the middle of the season. In the last two games, he has really become, again, the favorite target for Joe Burrow. So, yes, the Bengals grew up. Joe Burrow took a step forward. And, you know, next year, I think he's going to be in the conversation for like a top five quarterback. He's going to be on the cusp there. And I just think the Bengals, the future is bright. Even if they get into the playoffs and they get bounced out in the first round, I'm telling you, Cincinnati is going to win a Super Bowl in three years. Well, they certainly have got the, the talent to do it. Let's see see if they can you know win a playoff game or, or two first. But, yeah, I am thoroughly impressed. I like Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase, yeah, I mean, he's put up numbers to where it's kind of – I think that's a runaway now. I don't know that that's really even close as far as that voting for the offensive rookie of the year. Early on, I mean, there was, you know, he's dropping the ball in the preseason. And, like, and again, I think it was mostly media stuff and just generating stories that, oh, my God, you know, he can't catch the ball or whatever. Then he had mentioned something maybe in an offhanded comment about how the ball doesn't have the white stripes that the college ball has. And then that blows up like, oh, my God, he can't catch a pro ball. You know, come on now. I mean, just imagine this. I mean, the last two LSU rookie receivers that have come in where we thought Justin Jefferson took the world by storm you know as far as the NFL was concerned in his rookie year and he's kind of followed it up with a pretty good year but now Jamar Chase his teammate who didn't even play his senior year you know opted out and he's great he's a great player he's going to continue to get better it was a, a great game tough for me to watch especially the second half but yeah they're all arrows are pointing up uh, we had talked about them a few weeks ago and, and the defense and some of the hits that they've had in free agency on defense. And Hendrickson has just been the one where you thought, well, you know, he only did it for a year in New Orleans. Is he is he really the type of guy that can kind of be on his own without, you know, the rest of those defensive line mates from, from New Orleans? And obviously he's proven he's every bit the player that they hoped he would be. Yeah, that's a, a really good team. Be interesting to see how they follow up the last two weeks now at the Browns where obviously the Browns are a lame duck no Baker uh, he's having surgery this week may have already had it as we speak or maybe he's having it later I think you left out Corey Dillon in that group Alex 
Got to shout out Corey Dillon. He was a baller. He was their best offensive player. I just I figured I would mention those wide receivers and the quarterback yeah. that nobody sure. talks about. So the sure. Bengals didn't have a defense in the 90s, but they could put up points offensively. S- Jamar Chase, I mean, he yeah, broke the I- rookie receiving yards record in a season yeah. with 1,429 yards, which was set, like you said, by his former teammate, Justin Jefferson, just last year. So if you're looking for a wide receiver coming out of LSU, take him. Take the next guy as well because they seem to be doing something right. I was wrong about Jamar Chase, by the way. I can own up to it. I was critical of his play. I I thought he was going to be a bust. He was taken in the top five, top ten. I was really critical of that because I feel like unless you're Calvin Johnson or Larry Fitzgerald, you don't take a wide receiver in the top ten. The Bengals did, and obviously it has paid off. It showed a lot of confidence in Joe Burrow, too, because everybody said, well, he needs offensive linemen, he needs offensive linemen. Then they take his college uh, teammate, and that you know, had to say a lot to him that the organization was committed to him. Not that it, that it would have looked like it wasn't committed had they taken, like, Rashawn Slater. Again, another LSU guy, obviously a tremendous connection there, but that said a lot for an organization that normally takes a lot of shots at how they run things. So maybe things are changing a little bit in that building and and certainly has on the field. Uh, I mentioned Baker. Where is this going as far as Cleveland's concerned? I mean, I, I just get the sense, obviously, they can find somebody that's even marginally better I think they're going to bring him in. I think this is it. I truly believe this. I don't I don't think he, he's going to play anymore for them. Well, they did pick up his fifth-year option, so he's coming back yeah. in 2022. I mean, he's not going to have a contract, but I think he's going to be playing for it. Look, Low, he wasn't healthy this year. I think the Baker that we saw this year was just banged up, and I just felt like, Why did the Browns stick with him for as long as they did? If he wasn't healthy, if he couldn't complete some of those simple passes, he was just out there, just battling it out. Why not start Case Keenum? I mean, you're battling for a playoff spot. You've got a good enough team with that running game, with that defense. Why not play a healthy quarterback? Why not tell Baker to sit? And just rest him and see where it goes. I understand that he's a gamer. That you know he's out there competing. He wants to play with his guys. But at some point, you're hurting the team when you're not even close to being a hundred percent. So I think that's on the organization, on the coach, on the front office that they didn't tell Baker to sit down. I mean, obviously, ultimately, it would have been their decision. You know, there's probably, you know, some storylines and and theories out there that perhaps they were putting him out there just to kind of play out the string and to see what he would do, how he does it. Maybe, you know, from a positive standpoint, they see that, hey, he's willing to go out there for his team. He's, you know, he's he's a tough dude, all the things that you mentioned. But if he's not able to do everything and help you win games, then yeah, I think it it probably did hurt them, especially for a team that is the heart and soul is the offensive line and the run game. The Stefanski, I don't know if it's Stefanski, I don't know if it's Kubiak, Shanahan, whatever system this is, whatever pass game they're running in Cleveland, it just doesn't seem like it's very 
creative. I don't know. It just seems like it, it. A lot of times, it's forced. Baker's in bad positions. Is it him? Is it the play calling? I don't know. But it just seems like this whole situation has become a little bit toxic too. I mean, are they they let OBJ move on, and I don't know that that really improved things or kept them the same. I think there's probably guys in that locker room thinking like, hey, he's playing pretty good in LA. What's the problem here? I'm just not feeling it. Can they trade him on that? I mean, it's not like a a franchise tag. It's not a, a, a no trade type deal. Would anybody be willing to trade for him? Would a New Orleans or somebody like that, would they be willing to make a move if like those upper tier quarterbacks, once those musical chairs go, if Rodgers was to move or if Russ was supposed going to move, you know, Deshaun's going to move after those guys have kind of settled and New Orleans is sitting there. Would they be a team that might take a shot on somebody like Baker Mayfield? Unless the Browns trade for one of those big two, like Watson or Russell Wilson, I think Baker is going to be back in 2022. But I don't think Cleveland is going to stay put. Knowing that front office, they want to improve. So they're going to make those calls. They're going to try to push for some of those trades. They'll try to improve the quarterback. And with the weak quarterback class in 2022 with the NFL draft, I don't think you try to find the signal caller there because he's certainly not going to make you better than what you already have with Baker. So I think unless you go with the veteran, like you trade for a big-time veteran, Watson or Wilson, I think you stay put with Baker for 2022 and then just address the quarterback position in 23 in that offseason. Whether you extend Baker, maybe, if he has a good season, or you just you go shopping in the NFL draft or in free agency. Two Bs left. Two of them are kind of combined, and I think they, they might be synonymous with one another. So if I say bizarre, what NFL player do you immediately think of? I think everybody knows who, who we're talking well, about. By now, yeah. I mean, every, the, you know, AB. And it's just, you know, taking off the uniform and whatever. And I, I was just thinking as I was kind of gathering my thoughts, what I wanted to say, and just how one bizarre it was and how I've never seen anything like that. But people of a certain age, if you remember, or kids Google this, a, a movie, it was actually about hockey called Slapshot. And Paul Newman was uh, the star of the movie. But there was one guy at a certain point, it was like the owner of this team was trying to get the team to move. Anyway, but the bottom line is this, is this is why I'm thinking of it, is one player at a certain point, I don't know if he was about to be cut or whatever, but just he's on the ice and he just starts taking his uniform off, strips down to his jock strap and is just skating around the rink. And when I saw A.B. in the end zone, that's immediately what I thought of, so... Slap shot. Take a look. I'm sure YouTube has has that clip. So naked skater. I think that would probably be a, a good one to search. I actually watched that movie. So I know that episode that you're talking about. But I think the younger generation that's listening to this podcast. No, has not no even close. The movie. I think when is. was that movie? It was like late seventies, early eighties. I mean, it was that's an old movie. But it was it was really funny. Not in this case, Antonio. But this isn't funny anymore. It's just it, it's all it's sad. I mean, you, you can sit here and talk about mental health and so forth. But you know, if everybody knows he needs help, why hasn't it gotten to that point? It seems like. 
everybody brings them in and says, oh, our situation is better. We can fix it. We'll get something out of them. Well, they did. They got a Super Bowl, and he made plays during the playoff run and in the Super Bowl and was having a pretty decent year. You know, he was hurt a little bit. But again, no matter whose fault it was, you know, there were stories that he felt he was hurt and they told him to go back in the game. He wasn't able to go in the game. So they accused him of refusing to and that he wasn't part of the team. And that's why this happened. Other stories were they were sitting him down. He was getting close to his incentives and the team sat him down because they didn't want to pay him. So all these are like crazy stories, no matter what it was, there's a professional way to handle your grievances. That certainly was at the bottom of the list, I would say, the way he handled it. I don't know, Alex. I mean, do you think somebody else is going to give him a chance? No, Lou. I mean, that's going to be this like... This is it. This was it. This is the final straw. This is going to be like the final snapshot of AB on the football field because I can't imagine anybody else giving him a shot. I mean, only Tom Brady brought him in. Bruce Arians was never a fan of AB. We all know that... He brought him in begrudgingly. I mean, he wasn't on board with this. I think it's pretty obvious based on the comments. Like, Arians wants him out. Brady is like, no, we'll still nurture him. Don't make, you know, rash decisions about A.B. It's almost like the big brother, you know, Tom Brady is trying to nurture Antonio Brown here. Bruce Arians has already had enough. You and I believe that there's no way that he was going to be back. But they were desperate. When Godwin went out with an injury, and so they brought him in again, it's just, that's it, Lou. I mean, it's over. Would you put him in the Hall of Fame, Lou? That's going to be a tough one, just because these are the, I guess, the images that a lot of the guys that vote are going to remember. And not that it should keep him out, but I think it will delay it. You know, it's going to be some years that have to be removed, not just the five years after retirement, but I think it's going to go beyond that. And then at some point, you know, somebody will resurrect his uh, candidacy and really make a strong pitch. And then they'll look at numbers and everything else. And I think eventually he could get in, but it's going to be a tough call. It would not surprise me if he doesn't, you know, for sure. Speaking of Hall of Fame, last game at Heinz Field, I mean, you certainly got to believe it was now after the kind of like the send off. And Ben had one of those Ben 2020, 2021 games. I think he had like 46 attempts and 120 some yards. Everything was short and flat. But hey, they won the game. They're still alive. They're one of the teams that's praying for that Jacksonville win against the Colts. And hopefully they can eke one out against the Ravens. But, you know, Ben's certainly going to go in the Hall of Fame. I think this is it. I think this is the right time. It probably was the right time a couple years ago or even last year. But uh, it was just good to see him kind of get that moment uh, with the Steelers fans. And it was just uh, pretty cool. And you could tell, I mean, obviously after the game, he was really choked up. It was having a hard time with his interviews. and But it was good to see. The Steelers are a class organization, so you wouldn't expect anything less. It was cool to see him go out as a winner uh, against the Browns. Almost a year to that day. I mean, Cleveland beat Pittsburgh in the AFC wildcard round. So that was tough to take And last year. 
And now, you know, Roethlisberger got, gets a little vindication here. They they beat the Browns 26-14. to 14. You and I disagree here. I think Roethlisberger would be a really good mentor somewhere else as a backup. Or maybe, you know, he would start off as the starter and then kind of nurture a young quarterback in another organization. You obviously feel that he should just walk away. I think he's going to walk away. I mean, if he wanted to do that, and I think we've, we've said a lot of the same things about Eli Manning, but at a certain point, you know, and he said it, once a giant, always a giant. If the Steelers want him to do that, I could see perhaps maybe doing it. But I think this is it. I don't believe he wants to play for anyone else. Uh, he kind of showed that this year, but taking a pay cut and staying with the Steelers, knowing that it probably wasn't going to work anywhere else. So, no, I don't I don't believe it. The pick, slow. I mean, you had an amazing week. Had a good week. We've been kind of on a roll for a while now, quite frankly. <laughs> and I'm just as surprised as everybody else is. But we're up to 37 and 28. We're at 57%, which is well above making money. you got to hit about 51 52% to break even with the edge but you know 57% right now so I'll take it Eagles last Tuesday minus three and a half they won by four I believe so eke that one out that line went to six Tennessee uh, big blowout win over Miami the Chargers huge win over Denver not even close Steelers were dogs when I took them they ended up being favorites but again it didn't matter they win the game four and oh so let's look at this week again I don't like anybody but Here are the four I'm going to go with. Only because it's the last week and because I couldn't think of anybody else, you know, to be the fourth game. I'm going to take the Chiefs. They're minus 10 at Denver. They do not want to go into the playoffs losing their last two. So you're going to get a full uh, shot of their starters. They're going to play and they're going to play hard. No two-game losing streak. Don't want to slip below the two seed. So even though they're laying 10 on the road, which is ridiculous, but we're going to do it. Uh, Again, I got all road teams. The football team, not that they're playing great, but they're playing the Giants. The Giants have now officially mailed it in with getting blown out disgustingly blown out by the Bears. So I think the football team, Ron Rivera's got at least their ears for this last game. A lot of guys probably playing for their jobs, auditioning for the next year's team. Washington, minus seven. I got the Niners plus four and a half against the Rams because Shanahan owns them. And then finally, sticking with the Chargers. I put my money where my mouth is. Chargers minus three at Las Vegas. So there's the four. Chiefs, Football team, Niners, Chargers. You picked your team and you picked my team. and So, uh, I'm, just, so I'm guaranteed to <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. But, I mean, yeah, you, and you went with Washington, your favorite story of the year, even though they're not in the playoffs. And Hey, they just the announced on February 2nd, I don't mean to interrupt, but the February 2nd, they're announcing the new name and the uniforms. And it's going to be the football team, right? (laughs) I always liked Red Tails, you know, the Tuskegee Airmen. So I'm pulling for Red Tails. All right. I'm going to piggyback off of you. And I was going through, you know, all the teams. And I didn't know which picks you were going to take. I'm going to take the Chargers as well. Minus three on the road versus the Las Vegas Raiders. 
the Chargers will win. They will clinch that final playoff spot. And you don't want to play the Chargers in the playoffs with that high-powered offense and Justin Herbert because they're, they can surprise anyone. So that's my lock of the week. My lock of the week has not come in, I think, in the last three weeks. So I'm hoping it comes through this this week with the Chargers. All right. Very good, gang. Enjoy your week 18. This is going to do it for us. First week of 2022. So happy new year to everybody. Please subscribe. That's Alex. I'm Lou. Peace.